everyone. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Artrageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Artrageous. Stove Leg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 111th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn, coming to you live from my man cave in Millsboro, Delaware. This week, we have Tim Lillis, former stadium operations manager with the Bowie Bay Sox and former front office member, he did a little bit of everything, uh, with the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs. If you like this episode, make sure to go back and listen to the older episodes. There's something back there for everyone. Uh, I really want to give some shout-outs here soon. Um, easiest way to get one of those would be drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that helps the business side of things out a little bit. Um, believe it or not, podcasters don't get rich from doing this, but uh, every little bit helps. Um, so yeah, go ahead and drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. Um, I'll shout you out on the Twitter account and on here as well. Um, Speaking of that Twitter account, make sure to go follow the designated Twitter account for the podcast at PullingTarpPod. That's where you can find all up-to-date news about the Pulling Tarp Podcast. That's where you can reach out about becoming a guest. And that's where businesses can reach out too if they're looking for a unique sponsorship. And if you really want to, guys, you can follow me on Twitter personally at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. Don't forget, we do have merchandise. Uh, there's a few items there on tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com. Or you can check out the link tree in our bio on Twitter. Um, there's Pulling Tart Podcast stickers, coffee mugs, and wall art, so make sure to go check that out. With all that being said, folks, let's chat with Tim Lillis. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Artrageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Artrageous. Tim, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your evening tonight. Uh, so you're freshly out of minor league baseball. Um, that's yeah. about where I was about 
oh, how many years has it been now? I guess really only three um, so okay. far. So I got to ask you, what, what made you leave the industry? Well, I mean, I loved practically my entire time in baseball front offices. Like, I, I really had no, uh, you know, we, you know what you're getting into. Yeah. But, uh, but over time, over the years, like, I just learned, you know, the pay and the hours. And just like some, most cases, I just fell into a, a spots with like a lack of upward mobility. It just, it wasn't mm-hmm. going to work out yep. for me. Like, as a man in my mid-30s, I've got a wife, I've got dad, I've got goals. Like, I need to be looking ahead for me. I had, uh, you know, I had a lot that I wish I could have accomplished still. Sure. I, I, that I still to this day think about, you know, different uh, things I wanted to achieve in baseball. But, you know, it just wasn't going to necessarily be in the cards and i you know i still get the job notifications and i still think mm-hmm. about you know what are you know what uh, what could be but you know it's uh, at some point i had a it's a good advice one time from one of my colleagues in the industry who said you know you might have gone to school for it you might have done it now for several several years but you what what you need has changed now and what yep. it provides just doesn't give that to you so you know yeah. i had to kind of make a tough call and, uh, you know, move on for me and for my, <laughs> for my family. Dude, it, it sounds like you're echoing like exactly what I said. It's, <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's really a shame that the industry loses such great people all the time because of the lack of, like you said, the lack of pay, the lack of upward mobility when you get to a certain point, um, the lack of, um, juggle juggling a, a family you know um right, right. that that life work balance um i right. i I'm, i miss it all the time but but yeah i'm i'm right there in that same boat i totally understand um what are you up to now so fresh out of my last gig with uh with baseball i am now um a member of management for a local um uh, showroom in a uh, nationwide high-end furniture company that shall remain nameless by okay. my uh, under the advice of my counsel, my wife. Okay. <laughs> she uh, she said, "Don't embarrass yourself out on the internet, so don't go throwing your employer's name around there." Sure. <laughs> but, uh, but just like you said, it, it gives me that ability to you know have a better work-life balance, and uh, in this case now more than I was getting out of my baseball career, at least by the end of it. I'm able to flex my, you know, management and sales muscles more and like really be, um, you know, part of, of a leadership team that in most cases I wasn't able to do in, in a lot of my roles with baseball. Sure. Sure. Um, I do know what company you're talking about. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not, I'm, I, I check you out on LinkedIn and, and I see their, I see their commercials all the time. Um, but we, we had a roommate, my wife and I, we had an extra room in our house and we had a roommate for, for a short time and he had one of the, um, the beanbag chairs and oh my, Uh, oh my gosh, dude, that was, (laughs) it, it was an expensive beanbag chair, but boy, was it comfy. So I like to say that beanbag is a four-letter word in my organization because mm-hmm. there is nothing beanbag about those pieces of product. They are the world's most comfortable chair, and they are they live up to the hype. Um, and you know, it's it, yeah, it's an investment. Everything I I'm a part of now is an investment, but it is yeah. uh, the kind of investment that you know you make uh, for 
you know, in the case of, uh, you know, a person like yourself, you know, you got that extra room maybe, and, you know, or, or, you know, my wife and I are looking to, you know, get our first house in, down the line here, and that would be, like, the kind of thing we would look at. And okay. so it's, uh, it's been a really, I mean, a big difference. I haven't sure. worked retail in, you know, over 10 years since, uh, you know, I got really involved in baseball. But uh, all the same things hold true, all the same things I learned in school, all the same, you know, management leadership techniques that I was using at a baseball diamond, I just use it at store them all <laughs> right right yeah um i mean i had to figure out what i was gonna do when i got out of baseball too and now i'm i'm uh in the insurance industry so so i right. i i understand where you're coming from for sure um so you're still involved in sales clearly when you were in baseball you did sales right. so i gotta ask you what is the number one secret to sales in your opinion there's no right or wrong answer <laughs> Of course, of course, yeah, and I love this question. Uh, I mentioned it to my wife, and she goes, "There's no, there's no secret." I go, "That's that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> it's subjective." But I think at least my secret was a passion and a desire for what you're selling. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's really easy to be hyped up about selling baseball. It's really easy to be hyped up about selling sponsorships or ticket packages mm-hmm. or birthday party plans right. at the ballpark because it's not paper at Dunder Mifflin. It's not widgets. It's something fun and engaging. So, I mean, I always would set goals and I wanted to, you know, meet them or beat them in, in terms of like selling new and diverse marketing or like making promotions, making, coming up with giveaways, yeah. coming up with theme nights so that I could turn around and sell them to like a certain category or like just straight up trying to get new categories that the team didn't have. Like for whatever reason, if my team's lacking in a grocery store, I'm out there, you know, knocking down grocery stores, trying to get, you know, bring in that category. And that was just something I was passionate about. I I quickly took to the, you know, the, 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 because I was focused mostly on corporate sales, that sponsorship sales side. Mm -hmm. Uh, I obviously had to do tickets and partners, uh, you know, ticket groups and, and season tickets on occasion. But, uh, Corporate was always my thing, and yeah. you know it was. I was. I always joked. I was never the salesman who would always come in with a weekly, with that weekly sale at the meeting. Right? I was the longer play guy. Like I was always okay. looking for that that big new uh, shiny, you know, uh, sponsorship with that client that just moved to town, or that was a you know a big new development. And yeah, it gets you in trouble sometimes for not coming in with your sales. But yeah. that was. I mean, it was it was so much easier to do that than it was to just cold call for tickets like yeah. that. I mean, or, or cold call for, like I said, working, you know, selling like, I mean, God bless you. I couldn't do insurance. Like I couldn't do it. I'm yeah. just not passionate about it. Yeah. Right. No, I, I totally get it. Um, the, the sales come, come faster and easier in insurance than they did in, in baseball. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. but, but yeah, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying there. Um, it's funny you mentioned that the uh, you know the sales come faster and easier. I mean, I feel the same way with what I do now. Sure, it's like I sell as much in a week as I might have sold in a in a season. Yeah, sometimes in baseball, and I'm like, how does that work? That is crazy. Because I because I, I remember how how much it felt, how good it felt to sell a sign, right? Uh, yep, a full season sponsorship of whatever promotions or or a, a in game promotion, and I was just like you know, that would get you a few thousand dollars in the minors, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm selling that in an afternoon. And like, yeah. It's just, it, it's, it's takes some getting used to because it's a little bit more transactional now than, right. you know, it was in baseball. That's that real client based sales, you know, approach. And yeah, I mean, Hey, I, I, 
definitely doing something right now. That's all I can say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what I was gonna say was I was always trying to get the the like the new business to town. You know right. the yeah. um you know the industry that we didn't have in the ballpark and that kind of stuff. Right. And so yeah. um my last year in Delmarva, I. Now, this doesn't usually happen, I would suppose, but I had experience in corporate sales and I pleaded that, you know, they, the, I pleaded them to let me do corporate sales um, right. because I needed some extra money in my pocket and I, and I knew I could succeed a little bit. And um, so I, that, but they didn't give me any renewals, right? So I had to go, oh, yeah. I had to go out and get all new clients, which was, which was fine. Um, and I, you know, I got like, um, like a kid's like, um, court is, it's like, um, a chain, like bouncy house place, like, you know, with the trampolines and all that. And then, but my main, so I was trying to get, and I almost got him to commit was a, uh, medical marijuana place. Oh yeah. And, Uh um, I know that, you know, you were with the Bay Sox, right? And yeah. so you guys had a pretty sizable uh, partnership with a medical marijuana place. And then uh, minor league baseball came out and said that we weren't allowed to partner with them anymore. So I had yeah. to, uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't know no, if you were, I didn't know, I know, know if you were the salesperson for that. Yeah. And there's a lot of like uh, state laws and, and, and rules about it. Uh, it's funny that you bring that up because uh, my wife now works in that industry. And oh, okay. so she knows all about legal uh, ramifications and what's allowed and what marketing is allowed and obviously what isn't allowed. But yeah, the, uh, uh, when I worked with Bowie, it had been before me and I'd heard about it, um, and about how they had like at the same time on the outfield board, they had a medical marijuana sign. They had a, uh, you know, they have the two or three Budweiser signs and then they have like an addiction sign. It's like, Hey, are you struggling? (laughs) (laughs) And they felt terrible, but like they all came in at the same time and they all wanted, you know, provide their uh, sponsorship dollars. So they're going to just space them out appropriately. Yeah. But, um, and then I remember the, uh, when I was with the blue crabs in Southern Maryland, one of my other salespersons, he did the the same kind of thing. He, He sought out one of the new, uh, Maryland, uh, you know, when they first came to be medical marijuana in the mm-hmm. in the state of Maryland, um, he brought in one of the local dispensaries in Southern Maryland, and he got him just a small sign somewhere like in foul territory. But importantly, it was uh, it was a season long promotion uh, where when the team lost, there was an announcement shortly after the last out that was like, you know, are feeling down or like feeling bad. Well, if you're feeling bad, call so and so medical marijuana, and I'm just like. What world do we live? That is, a, I mean, it's a genius play, but it's yes. also like, ooh, that's gonna ruffle some feathers. Like the sure. old school is still there, and there's a lot of oh, yeah. you know, older fans that just didn't want to, and they didn't, they didn't take to it too well. And it didn't last that long either, right? right. Just like you said, the rules change, you know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so you were an intern for well, you were a corporate sales and service intern for the Tampa Bay yeah. Rays. Um, bef- yeah. So what was what was that like? You know, you you went from being in, in Major League Baseball and then you went back to Minor <laughs> League Baseball. So 
Yeah, so I, I got put the Rays um, as part of an internship when I was getting my master's degree. And, you know, just like most programs, you need to have some experience, uh, you know, something to put down for your your senior, you know, project or whatever. So uh, yeah. I got real lucky, got a position in St. Pete with the Rays. And, uh, you know, it was, I loved it. I love working in the major leagues. I love, you know, everything is so professional and everyone's roles are so segmented you do the role you sign up for. Like that's right. so counterintuitive to all of us minor league baseball people where all, yeah. all we talk about is how many hats we wear. But in the majors, they have a staff of 20 to do the role of the one marketing girl in a minor league team. Mm-hmm. And they have, you know, so many, I mean, we had alone that year, probably 40 something interns across the company Half of them were the baseball stats kids from Columbia and Stanford and right. Harvard because the Rays love their saber metrics. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was it was great. Now you got to be able to collaborate because every single thing you do is, um, oh hey, did you talk to the radio department? Oh, did they talk to the marketing department? Well, they have to first check that with this customer or the community relations department mm-hmm. because it's their. Th- you have to be able to like know and, and work with the people uh, in the different departments. And that's tough when you're an intern because you just started, you, know, you right. don't really have those connections. And, but I mean, I didn't even have to work every inning of every game that blew my mind. That is I was wild. like, wait, you're going to send me home because I'm not needed. This is amazing. I, I mean, I still probably worked. I mean, obviously it's 80, one home games. So I probably worked two thirds of them in some capacity, but that ability to be like, Oh, it's a Monday night against Texas. And there's going to be three, four, 6,000 people at the trial. You just stay home. You know, you work the five, you're a nine to five. Now just go home. That is crazy. Obviously that's, and and that wasn't just, you know, interns, the the staff, if you didn't have a corporate, you know, you're a corporate uh, sales uh, person. If you don't have your client there that night, you don't necessarily have to be there for the game or for the whole game. If you didn't have a group as part of the ticket department, you know, you're not necessarily there for the whole thing. So of course we as in the industry where we put our lives (laughs) into baseball, it just seems so amazing at times. You don't have to be there for the entire game, but I mean, it was still cool because, I mean, you got to, when you were there, you're basically watching more than you're doing anything else. Sure. A major league game going on in front of you. Like, I watched so much. I saw A-Rod's 600th home run. I saw Big Poppy put on shows and batting practice because he just felt like it. He just like, hey, watch me do this. And he just started hitting bombs into the fish tank. And, uh, you know, that kind of stuff you just can't replace when you're, you know, work in the parking lot of an A-ball team or something. So yeah. That's definitely a, uh, a memory I'll never forget. But like, you know, it was, it was the only thing that wasn't, you know, wasn't for me was uh, the Florida climate. I was, uh, I'm a Midwestern boy. I couldn't handle it and neither could my wife. We, we got through about a few months of that and we said, Nope, I don't, I, unless they offer you like GM, you're going to have to find another place. Okay. This is too humid. Yeah. <laughs> so, and before anyone asks, the Trump gets a ton of bad rap, but it's a perfectly fine place to watch a baseball game. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I need to say that as someone who got to go to many games there. It's the other things that come with a ballpark that it doesn't have, like outside amenities and the neighborhood and like family entertainment. If you're going to bring yeah. kids, you better hope they really like watching baseball. Right. It's not that. It's not all that other stuff going on. Okay. Like, if you just want to watch a game, 
you can't you don't have to worry about a rain delay you don't have to worry yep. about being hot and uncomfortable yeah you can see everything it's yeah. a great it's, i find it a perfectly fine place to watch <laughs> yeah i i've never been to the trop but i did go to a lot of brewers games when i lived uh, in yeah. beloit and th- there again you don't have to worry about any rain delays or, or anything yeah. like that so that was super nice um yeah i mean at least there they have um tailgating you know so so that, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. pretty cool i um, would hope so in wisconsin that the one thing they they, they would bring to their you know to the experiences hey guys it's just tailgate just like it's a packers game. <laughs> yes exactly they have a humongous parking lot just just yeah. for that um i went to fulton county Sta- or not fulton county, milwaukee county stadium before miller park uh-huh uh when i was a kid saw sammy sosa hit like two home runs in the summer of 98 and uh that was obviously an old dump but like they were building milwaukee's you know the new stadium in the yeah. parking lot and you're like this is gonna be amazing like you could see it rising up and yeah it, i that's one on the list that i want to get to before it's now old sure, <laughs> it's sure. A little, it's already got a few years on it yeah for sure um you so we've all had some some probably weird jobs um in minor league baseball i mean for instance yeah. i was director of food and beverage when i never worked in the service industry whatsoever <laughs> um and i had a communication degree um, right. but so you had a few different roles with the Southern Maryland blue crabs. I actually have your LinkedIn profile pulled up here right now. Sure. So you went from corporate sales manager to merchandise manager and then to director of operations. Now yep. to, to me, that kind of seems like a weird, a weird correlation there. Um, but <laughs> so I guess how or why did those transitions happen? Right, right. So you're right in wondering because that's it. It's definitely hard to put on a resume, but sure. you know, maybe it makes sense. But uh, it's basically boils down to I'm not a great salesman, and so I would do whatever my team asked me to do. When you're working in the miners, you're going to get asked to do just about anything. Mm-hmm. So I made the mistake of showing my willingness and capability capability of operating a boom lift and hanging the outfield signs oh. like early on they're like oh get up there and you know and i didn't die and i didn't break anything and you know they go in on straight so then after a couple of years my gm looks at me and says we both know you're not really fully committed to this whole sales thing uh do you want to be the director of ops and i'm like i don't know like <laughs> i know what you did to the last guy and the guy before him and I'm not handy. I'm not like a tool guy. I'm not a right. you know, Mr. Fix-It. So I, I don't know how much I could bring to the table. And she she clearly knew that I might resist. Because then she said, well, I'll also make you the merchandise manager. And she knew I couldn't turn that down. Because I designed team hats and merchandise and helped us run you know run the store from afar for a couple of years already. And so like that became the flat, like my first... It was like my first half, second half. My first half was all sales, and my second half there with the team was I kept my book of business, didn't really have to get more business, and then okay. I would do – I ran the team store, designed all the gear, designed you know on-field stuff, specialty stuff, and then just did the team uh, you know stadium operations, whether that was working with the cleaning crew or, or doing all that kind of you know stadium facility stuff. And I mean, you get to be good at a lot of it, even if you didn't start out good at it. You know, that's kind sure. of the, that many hats uh, technique because, you know, I could tell you I didn't know anything about 
uh, having to, you know, pass inspections every year or yeah. any of that kind of stuff, or where do we buy ceiling tiles and, and, you know, all that kind of thing. But you event, you learn it and, yeah. you know, I actually became pretty dang expendable, you know, unexpendable there because I, I knew everything. I knew where everything was. Sure. <laughs> I knew how everything, where we got it from. I knew how much it cost, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, of course, uh, when I wasn't with the team anymore, then that's when the phone call started and it was, <laughs> you know, yeah. hey, who do we talk to about this and where do we get that from? And so yep. I've still had to be pretty polite about, hey, you know, uh, I don't really remember anymore. It's been a couple of years, but I think it's in this electrical room over here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I, the merchandise thing is what got me. I, I love doing that stuff. I still, I mean, I still design stuff in my spare time just because I'm having fun with it. And okay. I submit it to every, you know, name the team contest and all that kind of stuff. So, okay. yeah, I mean, she won me over with that. And I had more fun running a team store for a year and a half than I probably did in anything else. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. that's That does sound pretty cool. Um, but I, I can certainly concur with you um, about, so even like years after I left Beloit, they were still calling me, asking me where things were, <laughs> yep. um, you know, yep. what switch did this, you know, how do you hook this up in the press box, you know, that kind of stuff. So I, I definitely yep. understand about that for sure. Um, you also worked for the Battle Creek Bombers. Um, they were, what, they were the, they've been a lot of things, um, but... So, so I'll help you. They started as the Michigan Battle Cats, yep. which was a Houston and Boston affiliate. Okay. And they became the Southwest or the the uh, Battle Creek Yankees for a couple of years as a Yankees affiliate. Then they became the Southwest Michigan Devil Rays as a Devil Rays affiliate. Yep. Uh, it shows you how long ago that was because they were the Devil Rays. Yeah. Then they were promised that they might move to Dubuque, Iowa, and then that didn't happen. And they became the Great Lakes Loons. They play in Midland, Michigan, and so okay. the ball left. The what is known as Southwest Michigan uh, area in the mid 2000s, and I believe for the better, got replaced with uh, summer collegiate baseball, the Northwest League. Okay. The yeah. So so now they're the Battle Creek Battle Jacks. So yeah. w- how do you feel about that rebrand of your former team? And that's like kind of where well, you so, grew up too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's a good question. I hadn't thought about it, but like on one hand, I'm super excited for Brian Colopy and the whole team in Battle Creek because like they keep just breathing new life into their organization Mm -hmm. with the rebrand and like they keep making renovations to Seal Brown Stadium, the home they've been at their whole time. They even have a corporate sponsored stadium. I don't even know what it is, but like that was never something they could have dreamed of when I was there okay. 10 years ago. Like yeah. they would never have, they didn't have the community outreach and the community engagement to, to actually have someone do that. Um, so, I mean, I, I, everything they do that works out well, I love it. Uh, I participated in the name the team contest. Okay. I, I can't even recall. I, but like some of it wasn't that what they narrowed down to. Eh, not that great. But sure. like I liked Battle Jacks, I own the hat. I bought yes. it as soon as I could. Of course. And, uh, I mean, it's uh, it's a fine little brand. But then on the other side, like, uh, you had in a recent uh, episode, you asked Philip, who worked with Bakersfield, <laughs> like, how it feels to work for a team that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It's kind of weird now that, like, I don't feel the same thing. Like, I don't even know what I want to call them. And, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, like I worked for a championship team in 2011. Like I have a ring for a team that doesn't exist anymore, and like the That's all the gear I have is like weird old gear now, and it's just I don't know. It's it's a little you know, kind of makes you hey. feel a little weird to to think that 
Yeah. You know, if you say bombers in five or ten years, like, just, no one's going to know what that means. Right. <laughs> and so it's, yeah, it's it's definitely weird, but it's good for them. I mean, they needed, they got it was a shot in the arm because they got new ownership and the whole thing. So it was uh, better than just kind of continuing status quo the way they were um, probably, you know, continuing to go. They Who knows? They might not last a heck of a lot longer in, in it's crazy, crazy baseball climate. Teams move for no reason sometimes. For sure. I think it's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm right there with you again. Um, I have a lot of Beloit snapper stuff and even, even now, like, you know, they're like, Oh, what team is that? I'm like, Oh, it was the Beloit (laughs) snappers. And they're like, what team? Uh, They're, they're called the sky cart now. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I did see that. How does anybody not recognize that compared to, it's one year ago. Oh my gosh. Okay. You need to talk to better people. (laughs) Well, clearly, clearly, (laughs) clearly, but, um, Yeah. So I was looking, you know, at different bios of yours on team websites right. and stuff like that. I had to do some digging and that... I didn't, I, I tried to dig for this, but I couldn't find anything. So, okay. um, your bio, I believe on the blue crabs said, yeah. um, that you were featured on sports center and late night with Jimmy Fallon. And I, right. I genuinely want to know what that's for because I could not find it. <laughs> well, that's a good – there's a good reason for it. You'll hear okay. why. So every year, just like most teams, the Blue Crabs mascot, Kinch, gets invited to numerous outside events for other sports teams. Mm-hmm. So, like, I played basketball at Georgetown men's basketball games on center court at Capital One Arena in the mascot costume. Or I've gone to other minor league teams like Bowie. Uh, the Nationals have – would have the team there every year. Uh, well, and, and I, as I also made it perfectly clear with that, the Blue Crabs, that I was a better than satisfactory mascot performer too. Okay. Which again, as we all know, you probably don't want to let your employer know that you're good at it because they're going to keep making you do it. Yeah, for I sure. I get those assignments. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be the one. They're like, oh, don't just send the intern. Tim's Tim's better at it. So just go ahead and yeah. schedule him. So one year, Screech, the mascot for the Nets, his birthday falls on Easter Sunday. Okay. And I go to perform, you know, we, I have to bring a handler and we schedule an off day events. And so they get all the other teams of, you know, mascots from supposed to DC. Uh, but some of the other schools, hell, they got somebody from the university of Delaware. They come down to DMV events a lot. I mean, it's, they get a pretty good Richmond and all the Orioles affiliates that can come out if they don't have a home game. Uh, we actually, a lot of the same people would be doing all these events so often we got to know each other outside of the heads because right. we were so at all these events um it was kind of funny anytime we'd go we'd be like oh how's it going how's the family you know yeah <laughs> you know, what, what's the team what's how's the team doing you know after all these years so other than just like the normal silliness specific for like the mascot's birthday they then would do the traditional famous president's race and okay. the president's race if you know anyone's not familiar they come out racing from the outfield wall. They run around the warning track, and then they get to like third base uh, or uh, first base, uh, right inside the bowl. And then there's a car wreck, and they just, you know, they're colliding with each other, and something happens to cause almost everybody to be knocked down, and one wins. Mm-hmm. Well, the with the mascot birthday, all these mascots are then going to be a part of the mascot race, and they're at the end, and we're, you know, we're told just go out there. Don't get, you know, don't hurt anybody. You know, they tell us, like, how to knock everybody down safely and, you know, just be be entertaining. Mm-hmm. 
But they don't tell us that the star of the show is the Easter Bunny. And the Easter Bunny mm-hmm. is none of us. We don't. I don't even know what it was, honestly. He must have just been another one of their marketing people. The Easter Bunny is out there, and we get out there. We're just, you know, being funny. And, in fact, some of the other Washington Nats are, like, the Wizards and people, they're, like, organizing, like, a, a stunt they're going to do. They're all just doing their thing. Well, the race comes to an end. We're waiting. And then all of a sudden, the Easter Bunny is, like, perched. I guess the best way to describe it is he's on the top turnbuckle, wrestling fans. Uh-huh. And he just comes out of nowhere and just levels linebacker style whoever was winning the race at the time and just cleans, cl- cleanses clock. And all the other mascots are just standing around, just piling on. They're yeah. pretending to kick and everything. And I, myself, as pinched, am right there in the scene. Well, the clip goes viral. And so the clip of the Easter Bunny knocking the crap out of the, the president is all over the internet, all over Fallon and Sports Center, and, and there's Pinch and me. Okay. <laughs> Name on my back right there. And, like, every time I could find it, I was retweeting it, and, like, the team obviously retweeted the crap out of it. Yeah. And even now, like, annually, it'll get played around Easter. Oh, okay. <laughs> because it's just funny baseball stuff at this point. And yeah. And, you know, it goes with, like, gifts. You don't know where it comes from, but you, you're just going to reshare it. So yeah. it's my sneaky way of saying that I was on, on this, all this national media because I was, but okay. that kind of wasn't. All right. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. That, that reminds me of the time that I had to play uh, broom hockey on ice when I was oh. when I was Snappy D Turtle um, oh at a at a Rockford Ice Hogs game and okay. um, yeah that got pretty dangerous actually because yeah. Uh, uh-huh. yeah I mean I wasn't on skates um, but I was nope. the, I was also the goalie so um, oh, yeah geez. it got it got pretty dangerous for for some for some kids and for me out there for sure. <laughs> Um, but I'm glad it didn't make national news like, like yours did, so. At True Crime Cast, we cover the big names and cases that everybody wants to hear. But we specialize in the small town unknown cases you've never heard of. If you're listening to True Crime Cast, you'll hear us give the details of each case and our analysis of whether or not justice is served. Find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Y'all should go ahead and subscribe and join in on the conversation. I'm Jamie. And I'm John. This is True Crime Cast. Tim, what was the worst excuse that a game day staff member has ever used to call out of work? So I, I couldn't come up with a worst excuse, but it's definitely a crazy excuse. Okay. So this, this usher uh, with Bowie in 2021 was the sweetest, nicest, and clearly for reasons I'll describe shortly, she was definitely the hardest worker. Okay. Uh, but one day she misses her shift. It's kind of weird, but we're like, yeah, you just keep moving, you know. I'm sure she called, you know, called and told somebody. But the next day or two later, she comes back for her shift in double up to the elbow hard arm casts. Oh, God. Turns out she fell or something 
But like as you can imagine, it's hard enough doing anything in one arm cast, let alone two. Sure. So she had, she even had to put them in plastic bags if there was a chance of rain because she ushered out in the seating bowl and was uncovered. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I just felt so bad for the girl, but she was just the hardest darn worker. So we weren't gonna tell her to go home, and yeah, obviously. If you need the help, so I was just like, you do you. I'll just, where, where can I sign your cat? Jeez. Um, <laughs> let's see here. I know some of these um, overlap with the listener questions, so I'm trying to mm. eliminate yes. those. So, um, all right. So we, you've already talked about some of the quote-unquote other duties as assigned moments <laughs> in your career. Um, yeah. What is the most other duties as assigned moment? Sure. So it's... It's Camp Day 2019 in Southern Maryland. So, you know, as uh, as we minor leaguers know, that's your midweek uh, day game in the middle of, like, August. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've all experienced those, but and, and at least I notice every time you have those day games, there's, like, staffing issues because people can't make the early start times. Yeah. They have jobs. They have school. So this day wasn't any different. And so, like, days and weeks in advance, I find out or I agree to – uh, be the PA announcer sure. because that guy couldn't make it. Yeah, And I'd done that a time or two. So I thought, ah, that's a fun distraction at the day game. But the night before, we have a rain out. And the day mm. game is now a day-day doubleheader. Yep. And it's going to start an hour earlier than already early is going to start. Right. Then we find out that because it's being rescheduled, the national anthem singer also can't make it. Okay. And I'm the emergency national anthem singer. Oh, I've done it now 12 times. So we make a plan. And the press box in Southern Maryland is on the second floor, and I need to be up there practically the whole pregame, you know, mm-hmm. doing all these reads and right. getting the game started. Yep. And then the anthem singer is obviously on field level, as far away from me as possible. So we figure out, we devise that I'll announce right up until the anthem, then I'll dart out onto the balcony of the, the press box, second level, and I'll pull the announcer's mic out through the window, and I'll sing from the balcony. So okay. I, say, I get out there, and I say, ladies and gentlemen, please rise, and gentlemen, kindly remove your caps, and join me, Timothy Willis, in singing <laughs> of our national anthem. Yes. And it went great, considering I had not warmed up. Sure. And then I dart back into the press box, just in time for waiting off for the Long Island docks. Okay. <laughs> like, it, it went, I couldn't have gone better. It was the, but it was that kind of moment where you're like, "What do I got to do? When do we need it? Okay, go team!" Like we all just made it, made it happen. <laughs> right, right. Wow, you re- you really are do <laughs> do it all, man. You're a do it all guy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I don't know if you listened to the episode that I had with Paul Caputo, um, but he he does the Baseball by Design podcast, and he's <laughs> he's the um, the ice cream helmet Sunday guy. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so he came to opening day in Beloit and, um, he loves, he loves when I tell this story and, and it comes <laughs> up frequently. Um, I am tone deaf, so I cannot sing. So I can, I can never <laughs> fill in, um, like, like you did. Um, but so it was my, it was my first, uh, game day as, um, media relations marketing guy and the PA announcer. So, and we had, we were, we did not have a lot of money. So we were trying to see if we could use one laptop for more than one thing. And, Mm -hmm. um, so we were moving files back and forth from one computer to another. And 
there's two outs left um, in the top of the seventh, and I realize that there is no file for take me out to the ball game on the, <laughs> on the computer. And Paul, it was cold that day, um, and I had given Paul a media pass um, because he was mm. writing for sportslogos.net at that point. Yeah. And um, he was in town for work, and he said, well, I'll sing it if you want. And I said, really? <laughs> and so he sang it, and um, yeah, he really bailed me out of, of, of a pickle there. So, um, But man, yeah, I, I mean, I'm... I like to say I've done it all in my career, but I've I've never <laughs> sang. So so kudos yeah. to you, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is the Pulling Tart podcast. So I gotta yep. ask, what's your most wild or crazy tarp story? Okay, that that one was easy. So we've all had the stories where the tarp didn't get all the way on, or mm-hmm. you know the wind got it. That's that's nothing new. But my craziest tarp pull was 2011 in Battle Creek. So in Battle Creek, the stadium is on park and rec land. So parks and rec takes care of the field. Okay. And every season, at least at that time, I don't know if it's still the case, the state baseball high school playoffs are played. They have a whole complex there, and they could play the finals at that stadium that they share with the oh. you know professional, cool, the summer collegiate team. And it was the team for all the professional affiliated teams back in the, the day, too. Mm-hmm. So that year, though... And they usually put a lot of work into it. Like they want it to look better for that than they do for the stinking summer collegiate team. They don't really care. Sure. At the time, they were very laissez-faire about the about the team. But that year, for whatever reason, they either mixed the chemicals wrong or they used too much or too little of something. And the end result was that the, the grass was just burnt and killed. And... It, it got gradual, so like eventually it just got brown and yellow, and then it was just a mud pit. Oh. And so the to the point where like the field just couldn't even take rain. And we'd have like you know a normally tarp kind of game, and it would be you know the rain would blow through, but the field couldn't even be couldn't be salvaged. So we'd have to call a game in a beautiful sunny night because yeah. the field couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. So one especially bad rainy night, we actually had to tarp left field because it drained the worst. And if we hadn't, we might jeopardize like the whole homestand. Oh. And so all I can remember is standing in the middle of the tarp in left field, just drenched. We pulled it on, rain's pouring, and a couple of me and the interns are just like, taking this all in because we're like, when are we ever going to tart left field ever again in our lives? Yeah. Take this in boys, because this is, this is it. And I mean, that was just, that was just the weird one. Like we just tarped constantly that year because of how bad the field was. Oh gosh. Wow. <laughs> man. Yeah. Yeah. I, Oh man. I don't miss that at all. <laughs> no, nope. oh, no. Um, so I know we have some listener questions here, and there's some good ones too. Yeah, um, I got the old troops out there for yeah. it. Yeah, uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to show off, you know, show badly. I wanted to have a. I appreciate know, listener it. call. <laughs> I appreciate it for sure. Um, so, Josh, uh, Josh D, O seven. Uh, yeah, I think that's an O, not a zero. But anyways, so Josh asked a couple different questions. So he said, yes. asked him how to eat a slice of pizza. <laughs> so that's the first thing. I had one. to think about that for a second. And Josh has given me a little, little hard time. So um, I was always in charge of getting the team, uh, the staff, its meals. 
okay. just worked out that way again. One of those things as a salesperson I just fell into. And as we know, if you've ever had a staff meal for a baseball team, it's usually something like pizza. Yeah. So yeah. we uh, we had a lot of pizza over the years. And um, that being said, I am gluten-free. Oh, and okay. I, as the, the selfless person that I am, kept getting the team that pizza, even though I could not really take advantage of it and actually enjoy it. Yeah. But if you present me with a piece of regular pizza, I will if hungry enough, eat the top off of it and give you back the, the bread. Okay. I got you. <laughs> it became known as skin flap because it's just this weird white and, and red nasty looking thing. And I would just leave them in the box. You got anybody watching these? Uh, fair game. I, and <laughs> it was, I mean, I had to eat something. We've been yeah. there since 9 a.m. We're going to be there till 10 p.m. And, you know, but like, uh, yeah, that was what I had to choose from. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it, 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 I didn't feel bad wasting somebody else's pizza. It wasn't mine. No one else paid for it. Yeah. Sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I never, I never thought about that. I guess I never worked with another front office member that that was gluten free. So okay, man, that that really does stink for you. But yeah, man. there's very rarely that I actually could eat anything. To yeah. What you provide to a ball club. <laughs> sure. Right. Right. Man. Okay. Um. And so we, you did tell me that you have 403 fitted caps right now. Um, so Josh also asked, he, so best hat in the minors was the first yep. one, best hat in the majors, and your best right. hat in indie ball. Ooh, yeah. So I'm going to say best hat in the minors, and this one's tough, but I, I it kind of dovetails with, uh, something else. I'm gonna say the Montgomery Biscuit. Yeah, and that's actually probably it's not my first hat because my first hats were like hats when I would go to like Cubs games with my parents or something like that. But it was right. the first hat I bought to buy a fun, cool minor league hat. It kind of started my collection. Okay. And so it's it's both like classy. It's yellow and blue. It's very basic. It looks like looks great with like all sorts of different uniforms. But it's so unique. It's so minor league baseball that yeah. it's you know you you can't. You have to be like, oh, what is that? Or if you know what it is, you're like, ah, the biscuit. Like, right. It's so perfect. And then Major League, I'm going to have to use a little technicality on this one. I'm a Rays fan, and one of my best finds, if you will, for being someone that buys hats uh, regularly was when I was able to find a 2008 World Series hat. Ooh. Uh, you know, because they don't make those hats for the teams for more than about three, four weeks during yep. the World Series, and then they stopped making them. Yep. Well, up until a couple of years ago, that was the one and only time the Lowly Rays had ever been in a World Series, and I thought that's a real piece of you know history. Who knows? The Cubs mm. couldn't get back for how many years. This could be the only time in generations. Right. So yeah. I, had, I scoured the internet, and I found that one. I, uh, but, uh, I mean, that one's just always got a you know, soft place in my heart, for uh, <laughs> especially because I became a Rays fan working for the team. Right. And... And then as far as the indies go, that's a tough one because now we have a bunch more to choose from. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm always going to have a soft spot. I helped design five or six on-field okay. hats for the Blue Crabs. Oh, okay. And I um, probably when we first finally went uh, to embrace the Maryland flag, and I, I made a Maryland flag-themed uh, Blue Crabs hat, and it was – so gorgeous and actually josh was part of the inspiration because he uh 
when we worked together, he uh, helped, you know, inspire me. He said, uh, you should kind of think about this and that, model it after an O's hat. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I didn't think about that. And it uh, it came out amazing. So he's, <laughs> he, he, you know, he, he was going to get some reference to that if I ask him that question. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. Is, is there a state that loves their flag more than the state of Maryland? No. There's not. No, not at all. Yeah. You can, there's whole companies that exist just for that Maryland flag. I know. On gear. I it's know. amazing. And I'm a transplant. I had no, you know, no idea about it until I got here. And I mean, I, I, I love it now and I don't even like have a dog in the flag, but I love using it on art. I would put it in. It is style. cool. Oh, it's so good. It is, yeah. it is a cool flag. I'll, I'll give them that much, but there are some people, <laughs> um, a few, a few members of the tarp crew that I, that I used to work with, um, <laughs> Eric Sichel and Chip Wodowitz, they could they could deck out an entire room full of Maryland flag gear. I have seen yep. them dressed head to toe in Maryland flag gear. Um, yep. So mm-hmm. it it is a cool flag. I'll, I'll give them that much. Um, yep. What what's so this isn't a um, a video podcast, but which hat are you wearing right now? So this is the, uh, funny I mentioned the biscuits, this is the Montgomery Biscuits Korean Heritage Night hat for when they become oh. the Montgomery Kimchis. Okay. I know that that many Korean Americans lived in Montgomery, Alabama. That I they do not. The night every year. Yeah. But they actually had the night like once or twice, and every year I'm like, where is the hat? Like, yeah. you have to sell a hat, and they didn't have one. They didn't think it would be that big of, you know, it's kind of hard to get yeah. custom hat made costly time consuming sure well then finally this year they held it again and they made the hat and i had to get it and okay. it's very fine have you have you ever had kimchi oh yeah i worked in a sushi restaurant for two years okay i <laughs> i personally don't like it so i had a korean foreign exchange student when i was a kid oh, okay. and we we had to have some some tough conversations about um, cleanliness and and you know that kind uh, of stuff okay. because I mean he was he was in you know the stages of puberty and and the, he oh, okay. he moved he moved from one place where they do things a certain way and went to another place where they do things completely the opposite way and it was totally understandable um, but he he bought kimchi and. Yeah. Apparently they eat it for pretty much you know every meal over there, yeah. and and it does yeah. supposedly it works like deodorant from the inside out. Mm, so okay. so people in Korea don't wear deodorant. That's where the talks about cleanliness you know came, came from. Um, but I tried it um, when I was a kid, mind you. Maybe maybe now I would I would think differently. Um, but the smell, I couldn't get past the smell. <laughs> Um, I mean, for people that don't know, it's fermented cabbage, and they have a bunch yeah. of different flavors of it, and you know that oh, yeah. kind of stuff. Um, but I could not get past the smell. I <laughs> I I couldn't do it. So no, that's it's definitely a desire or a acquired taste. And like, if you are a big fan of like different Asian culture foods, it's it goes with a lot. That's the reason why they eat it. Right, it just goes with a lot. Yeah. Um. And yeah, no. When I uh, that was one of those. Talking about uh, learning on the fly. I worked in a sushi restaurant run by Koreans, so I ate it all the time, and uh, it just happens that it, <laughs> it just happens that I haven't had it. Now, okay, it's very cool, very cool. Um, and then Tom Fink, um, his Tommy. his uh, Twitter is at Fink Don't Stink. I like that. Um, he <laughs> asked a couple different questions as well. 
uh, the most dangerous scissor lift experience. <laughs> okay, okay, I, I gotta hear that one. I don't know if he actually has one in mind, but he knows that I have at least one. Okay. Um, so uh, I'm putting up uh, outfield signs 30 feet in the air with, uh, you know, uh, maybe a week to go before the season. Mm-hmm. And um, the uh, I, I need a second set of hands. So I randomly, I don't even know why I didn't have anyone else in this case, but I grabbed someone who's like a, a rookie at this. He's never been up on the lift with me. My guy, Andrew Banstra, he's the uh, – He's the social media manager for the entire Atlantic League right now, and the Blue Crabs is their director of marketing. But he had never done that kind of stuff. He uh-huh. just was like a big, big kid. He, you know, he's going to do it for us. Uh, so we get up on the lift, and we have to put up a sign that is uh, double. It's a double wide sign, so it's like thirty feet long. And it, you know, it's a big one. Yeah. Well, we get up there, and we're putting it up at the top of this, you know, the sign wall, and the the weather starts to change. Like, Clouds start to roll in, and it's like, okay, uh, well, let's get this done. Well, then the, the, the drips start to happen. They'll drizzle. And okay, well, as long as we can just get this done, the rain come in, we'll just get – and then that becomes a rain shower, and that becomes a thunderstorm, and then that becomes a severe thunderstorm, and we're in the top of a 30-foot boom lift mm. trying to get this sign up. Yep. <laughs> and it eventually is like – you know, 20, 30 mile an hour winds because it's a, it's a storm and this sign is now partially on the wall. Right. But not enough to then leave it because if right. we left it, it would just be ripped to, to shreds. And I'm going to have to tell my management to go get a new sign for like two, $3,000 right. sign manufacturer. So mm-hmm. it looked like something on a perfect storm. Like we were on a crabbing boat somewhere. We're just holding on for dear life mm. and the wind's blowing us back and forth and i mean we were never in that much danger but it sure felt like it was scary yeah (laughs) and we get that thing to a point where it's gonna hold like it's up for now and we'll see how long this weather is gonna hold and we get the hell down and we are soaked i mean like underwear socks everything's soaked and we just squeeze you know squishing shoes into the into the the front office and all i could think of is i hope somebody saw this and just saw the the, the dedication we just had to the craft and to what we were doing because it was it was a sight to be seen and turns out nobody saw it uh, so we just had this story that, it, uh, that may or may not have happened but man. oh my god it was i never That's felt epic. more unsafe but at the same time like i probably have been on a lift more times than i can remember so like i don't know i probably was fine but yeah that that does sound pretty epic Jeez. Um, Tom also asks, what's the strangest request from a player or fan? Oh, that's, I don't know. Probably the, uh, anytime I ever work in the, the clubhouse uh, as a director of operations in an emergency, you ever have to, you got to occasionally be a clubby. And uh, yeah. those players could be pretty strange. Oh, yeah. Or at least pretty demanding. So, I mean, probably just all of the, you know, bratty, bratty behavior of a player in the clubhouse asking for everything to be done for them. And um, I always remember having to run out for alcohol and chew for a whole team because they they just, that's just how that worked. uh, Can you go get this for us? And I'm like, I guess so. Did they tip you at least? What's that? Did they tip you at least? Oh yeah. So they like paid me in cash and then they, they, 
I guess they probably just assumed I'd keep the rest. And so I got a pretty sizable tip, but okay. like it was still like not yeah. what I was expecting to do. Right. I wasn't really sure I was supposed to because this was MILB. You know, they have rules about that kind of thing now. And I was yeah. like, oh, I guess. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're boys. They're all dumb kids. Half of them were like, you know, this is all they know. So I, I didn't feel too bad. I was going to, you know, at the end of the day, I want them to treat my regular clubby good. So I want them to. Sure. I had to do it. So right. it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then Tom also asked, what's the direct, what's the direction you see indie ball taking mm. and how its place in baseball changed after the thinning of minor league baseball slash the realignment? Yeah, I think that indie ball is in a really good spot right now because mm. the, because there is a, a, a gap now where players that used to be drafted and stuck at, you know, actual what was rookie ball and short season ball and, um, and they, they just have to find a place to play. And so like, I also love that while it's not clearly defined, there's a pretty good distinction of like indie ball levels now. Like there used to be just, do you, do you just go to a tryout for the Chicago dogs or the, you know, York revolution and just hope that you can play at that level a lot of guys couldn't, but right. like now you could go to the Pioneer League, and they're a, a low-level rookie ball league, you know, rookie independent league. You know, they, mm-hmm. they play at a lower level. The guys are usually younger, and they can get started there, and then maybe get picked the back up or work their way up into the American Association and the Atlantic League. I think that it's I, – I was one of those people that said – I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I said right away when, when that cut list happened, yeah. I'm like, a lot of these cities are going to get other baseball. Please stop yeah. overreacting. And that's coming from someone who's worked in indie ball and summer collegiate baseball. Right. I knew that many of those markets couldn't sustain affiliated baseball any longer and needed an alternative. And if that alternative was summer collegiate ball, like um, the normal Corn Belters or the Flint Lumber Kings or the Burlington Bees or the, you know, the King County Cougars going to an indie ball, yeah. Staten Island getting indie ball, Charleston, West Virginia getting indie ball. Like those cities were almost being kind of just forgotten about right. or, or just were status quo in affiliated ball. And now in many cases they're doing better without the constraints of affiliated baseball and all yeah. these different rules and structure. I mean, you were talking with uh, recently with the rep with the Dirty Birds. They're having a renaissance in Charleston yes. because of, of not having to worry about are we a ball? Who do we like? What's what's our affiliate now? Who do we get? Like uh, yeah. the Lexington Legends and their team is is probably having its best success ever because they just don't have to worry about affiliated baseball and all of its all, all that comes with it. And so, I mean, I think it's it's great for a lot of cities that were afraid that they were going to have to you know, to have a lame duck stadium or, you know, some version of, of just losing their team. Yeah. Some cities did lose their team, mm-hmm. but they were probably already suffering. Right. You know, they didn't have a very good front office and they didn't have good attendance. And they didn't have a strong relationship with their affiliates. So like those were going to probably happen, but no, I think it's, it's better for baseball. Like we're all just trying to make baseball happen. It's, yes. The people that work in the front office, We've said it all before. It doesn't matter who you're affiliated with in many cases. It doesn't matter who the first baseman is. Is he a prospect or is he a journeyman or is he a professional or is he a summer collegiate kid who's not even getting paid? Like, right. It just matters if we're putting on fun and there's food and there's theme nights and when's the fireworks show. 
So, I mean, I, I've been a big fan. I, I hate to say I'm a fan of the contraction, but I think it helps. I've seen what it's going to do to a lot of cities like Bowie uh, and, and even a, a, like Delmarva, where they've got an older stadium and older facilities, and it's going to force them to make improvements yeah. for the player's benefit. Mm-hmm. And it's going to force them to modernize a little bit. Right. And then for other cities, it's just forcing them to, you know, me – took that other that other i mean hell it got staten island to put millions of dollars into a baseball stadium that they were leaving to be you know derelict and and break down so yeah you know it's it's all for the better i think that minor league baseball was already a little bloated with several levels of rookie ball and affiliated ball or a ball and low a right so um yeah i think it's better and I mean, it gives us all a chance to see baseball in our in our markets, our hometowns, our small markets. Like that's all that it still matters. Right. Be able to provide that for all your all your local people that aren't going to go or can't go to something a higher level. Right. That's, that's what we're all trying to do. Just yeah. Put on the show. So I only worked in minor league baseball, and so right. I kind of like you know looked down on indie ball, college wood bat. Yeah. Um, even though I, I had been to games here and there and, you know, when the contractions, you know, came out, I was like, oh man, like all these teams are going to lose quality baseball. And that's, that's not the case. And I, I will call myself out on that a thousand percent. Um, you know, you're, you're seeing, you know, you're still seeing great baseball, um, high level baseball. You're, you're, and I, I, frankly, I'm jealous of, of some of the teams because they're able to do more wacky off the wall promotions now because they're not affiliated. Um, you know, and then you have, you know, like my hometown, the Williamsport Crosscutters, they're, they're still affiliated with major league baseball, but they're in the MLB draft league. So their college wood bat league, um, still affiliated with major league baseball. Um, so like, you're not only going to have guys who make it to the majors from, cause they were a Phillies affiliate for a long time and they were a pirates affiliate before that and a Cubs affiliate before that. And now you're going to have guys from all the major league teams, you know, potentially, coming through the likes of Williamsport, uh, State College, you know, the, those types of teams. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I'm i all for it, honestly. I, I'll go see a baseball game anywhere. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm all about it, honestly. So, hey, yeah. that's it's, it's great. Um, so, Tim, that is the end of the listener questions. Where okay. can the listeners find you on social media? Do you want to plug anything in particular? <laughs> uh, nothing to plug. Uh, I can be found on, I'm a Twitter degenerate. Uh, I'm probably on way more than I need to be. At the Lillis. All one word. Lillis my last name, so it's uh, not a real word. Um, but uh, uh, And then I'm on Instagram, but not really. I don't, find, I don't know how to use it uh, <laughs> because I'm old. Uh, at hat underscore horde as in a horde of hats. Um, but I, if you like watching someone tweet ad nauseum about baseball and video games and pro wrestling and liberal politics, uh, then I'm your guy. Okay. If not, yeah, probably not. But yeah, it's all, all right. Lilith. Good times. All right. All right. 
Um, and you're also on on LinkedIn. Um, so oh, any, yeah, yeah. So anybody <laughs> that that wants to connect with you and and you know see see what you're up to now or what you did before uh-huh. or have any yeah. insights into the industry, um, you know, you're on there as well. So yeah, and, I actually find myself at least prior to leaving the industry, I was helping a lot. I get all the kids that would send me messages and say, "Hey, can you talk to me about the industry?" I love that. It's yeah, a good exa- it's a good excuse to remember the good times and talk about the realities of it so yeah that's actually a really good point yeah and that's what this podcast is about so exactly here, here we yeah. are um so you i know you've listened to a couple episodes um yeah and you know i end the show with the same <laughs> question every time yeah. what has been your favorite walk-up or warm-up song in your minor league baseball career and whose was it so this one was a really hard one because i I couldn't recall it. I recalled it, but I couldn't recall it. And right. I actually reached out to all of my press box guys. That that my guy Josh Owens, who we taught, we listened to earlier. Uh, one of my former broadcasters, Jim Charaboke, is with the Blue Jays now, and Brandon Bulanda. None of them could recall what I was trying to remember, which was what I thought was the walk-up song for former Blue Crabs catcher Gustavo Molina, who's actually now a bullpen catcher with the Rays. Ooh, okay. And I just couldn't remember it, but I knew it was some. I mean, I just had this thought. I was able to find it, at least what I think it was, and it's a song called Chacarer Macaron by El Chombo, and it is complete gibberish. Okay. And it's amazing. And uh, I don't know if it's actually his walk-up song, because according to my guys, maybe it wasn't. So on the other hand, I said, okay, I know one that's perfect, and it was uh, Outfield for the Bowie Bay Sox in 2021. I think he's there too now. His name's Shane Victorina, or Shane Victorina, Shane Fontana. Oh yeah, uh, he comes out to Shane. He comes out to Shane McMahon of the WWE's. Here comes the money, just because his name's Shane, and I'm I'm a sucker for that. And so, okay, Chacarón Macarón is not actually anyone's walk-up music. Then that is disqualified. And let's go, Shane. Okay, Shane Fontana of the Bowie Bass. Okay, <laughs> Shane Fontana was a was a former shortbird too. So okay, that's a familiar. Oh yeah, name. no, he's making his way up. Yeah, yeah. I, I just uh, <laughs> he's he's been a cup of coffee in Bowie in 2021, and I'm like this. He played like a fourth outfielder, so he played like every you know two three times a homestand, and I, I'm like this guy. Oh, uh, you know how to win me over playing some wrestling music. That's right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening to come on to the Pulling Tar podcast, Tim. Really appreciate you talking about, um, you know, your past and the industry and and everywhere you've been and everything you've experienced. So so thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And um, let's stay in touch. And uh, yeah, have have a great rest of your night. You too. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stove Lake Media. 
Make sure you check out our page at StoveLeg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. StoveLeg Media, igniting conversation. Hello, everyone. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Artrageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Outrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay outrageous. At True Crime Cast, we cover the big names and cases that everybody wants to hear. But we specialize in the small town unknown cases you've never heard of. If you're listening to True Crime Cast, you'll hear us give the details of each case and our analysis of whether or not justice is served. Find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Y'all should go ahead and subscribe and join in on the conversation. I'm Jamie. And I'm John. This is True Crime Cast. 